everyone welcome to gapping with greg i hope that you're having yourselves an amazing day this is gregory campbell also known as the original greg boy for today we're going to be covering the final part of our mask series for those who don't know this is an ongoing series where i cover masks a new generation which is a tabletop game where you get to play as teenage superheroes in this part i'm going to be covering what happens during the first session as well as some of the basic moves and everything that goes along with playing the game which is going to be the moves and how the games run in general as well as combat after this episode i will branch outward to a couple of different games mostly games that people might not necessarily know of such as action movie world and worldwide wrestling Furthermore, I will revisit this masks guide to give more of a GM-oriented guide, especially for those that might be interested in becoming a GM in the future. This can definitely be a very helpful guide for you. Before we continue with this episode, I just want to let you guys know that I have an email in which you guys can reach out to me if you have any questions, if you guys want to appear in one of my podcasts, or if you want to do a collaboration, I would very much love to do so. So just be sure to reach out to me. I'll put the email in the description below. And furthermore, if you guys are on Anchor, you can also message me directly through there and I can use those messages as well as communication. So be sure to uh, hit me up. And with no further delay, let's begin. already created your character you have everything said you've picked your moves where do we go from here well starting with the first session it's a way for you to get a better idea of how your character is going to act at this point you may not have had the opportunity to interact with the other characters so now you have an opportunity to kind of form that good general chemistry is your team more on the friendly side? Are you guys all rivals with each other? Or potentially, is there some kind of romantic interest going on between uh, this team dynamic? It's entirely up to the player group as well as the GM, but that is something that you're going to be able to flesh out within the first session. The most important thing to remember within the first session is that nothing is officially set in stone. As you move along through the campaign, there's going to be something said, of course, in which you can't really go back on, but this is the part where you kind of get to define and set the precedent of all future sessions. This goes hand in hand with the GM, because with the GM, they set the tone through the villains as well as the opening scenes. While players have free reign describing how they look and what they do, the GM gets to describe the setting and the general opening to any game of masks. Typically, a game of masks is going to be in a style of a comic book with multiple different panels and a bunch of thought bubbles and a lot of foreshadowing in which the reader, or in this case the players, gets an idea of what's going to happen, although the characters themselves might not necessarily know. However, the style of masks can be run in multiple different ways depending on what the GM wants, whether if they want to run it in a 
TV melodrama style or if they want to run it in an office kind of style documentary game. Entirely up to the GM. Where you come in as a player is that you have to fill in those pieces in between. Consider the GM as someone to set up the general framework and the general idea of the game, but you as a player get to fill in everything in between, ranging from how the team dynamic is going to be, setting up potential villains that the GM could use in the future. The GM, of course, is going to create villains, but sometimes your character backstory might have something in place. As you progress through the game, there's going to be different scenes, whether if they be with you and another NPC, it could be you at a group event, it could be you and a group of other player characters, or it might not necessarily include you at all. The most important thing is just to always pay attention to the narrative and do what the narrative demands or what is going to be best for the narrative. To keep everything in check, moves can be used to help regulate the narrative to make sure everything is happening the way that it should be happening. As a reminder, all moves within any PBTA game is made on the narrative base. Rather than just having moves set in place anytime you want to use a move, the move is only used based off of triggers. To activate a trigger, your character has to be going through a certain action that would then in turn allow you to activate the trigger for a specific move. For example, the move directly engage a threat, which is the bread and butter move for attacking someone. The opponent has to be a threat, and you have to be directly attacking them. If you don't meet both conditions, then unfortunately the move doesn't trigger, which means you don't get the roll for it. But sometimes that can be a big benefit. The key thing to remember is that you have to complete the conditions of the trigger in order for the move to activate. But if you're finding someone that isn't necessarily a threat to you, then that means from a narrative standpoint, you should be able to make quick work of them, which means you could take them out, no problem, no rules, no questions asked. In short, it's really important to take a look at all the basic moves and make sure you're able to use the move based off of whatever you're trying to trigger. Because in most cases, Anything you're trying to do might not necessarily trigger that move that you want to use. It might trigger a different move. So it's very important that you take a look at that. But above all else, just talk to your GM and let them know what you want to do. And they can help you make sure that you trigger the right move. I'll briefly go over all the basic moves as well as other potential moves that you could use during play. There are also adult moves that are available, but I won't be going over those as much simply because they're very similar to the basic moves. The only thing to remember with adult moves is that they are more advanced and a lot stronger than your typical basic moves. So pretty much apply everything that you've learned from the basic moves to the adult moves and you'll be good to go. I'll include a link to all the basic moves below so you could just go ahead and click on it and follow through them with me. As you can see in the basic moves PDF, there are in total 8 basic moves. All players unlock the basic moves automatically and they get to use them at any time. There are also playbook specific moves, but they are only exclusive to that playbook unless if you get an advancement to unlock a move from another playbook. I won't go over any playbook specific moves, but I will cover them in a future episode. 
starting with directly engaging a threat. As I said before, you have to be directly engaging a threat. If whoever you're trying to fight is no longer a threat to you, or if they were never a threat to you in the first place, then the move won't trigger. And you have to be directly engaging them. If you're doing something indirect that could indirectly hurt them, then unfortunately you're not directly engaging, and in that case the move will not trigger. Then you have unleashing your powers. This is the move you use whenever you want to use your abilities to either overcome an obstacle, reshape your environment, or extend your senses. Unfortunately, if you're not doing any of those three, the move itself won't trigger. You also have to be using your powers in order for it to work. There are certain abilities that you can pick depending on your playbook in which you might not necessarily have powers. You might have the ability of acrobatics, but that is very much more or less the same thing. Even though acrobatic itself is not so much of a superpower, it is considered one of your abilities. So in this case, you could still use acrobatics for unleashing your powers. So don't feel that you can't use it if you don't have powers. Next, we have comfort and support. This is pretty straightforward, but the key thing to remember with this move is that this is typically something you would be able to use in the middle of combat. You have to be in the position which you can comfort and support someone. And it isn't something you could just do within 10 seconds, such as a light pat on the back. Not really much more of an appreciative kind of action, but not so much of a comforting and supporting kind of feeling. The best thing I could say with this is I'll leave it up to the GM to decide whether or not you are comforting supporting, but in general for me, I try not to allow it to be triggered during combat. Because usually combat is moving so fast, you may not have the time to do that. Pierce the Mask is a move that you could use whenever you want to see through someone's motive and figure out what their true intentions are. Typically with this move, even though it seems like there is a trigger for this, a lot of times, I treat this as a way in which the players can just say they want to pierce the mask. For a defend, you have to defend someone or something that is in immediate danger or is facing an immediate threat. If the person or if the thing is not in an immediate threat, then the move won't trigger. So, for example, if the person is going to get hit by something right now, you can stop them. If they get hit by something in 10 minutes, then the move itself won't trigger because they're not in immediate danger. Though you could wait until the last second to save them. Then you could use defend. A lot of times, if you're trying to save someone but they're not in immediate danger, you could end up using something like unleashing your powers or assessing the situation. Speaking of assessing the situation, this is the move that you use to get a general idea of the situation at hand. A lot of people tend to mix up this move with unleashing your powers, because with unleashing your powers you get to extend your senses. My rule of thumb is if you're not using your powers directly to extend your senses, you're probably assessing the situation. Furthermore, if there's not really much of a situation going on, not really much of anything to really observe, then you're not really assessing the situation. I usually use this if a player is using assessing the situation to look for something particular, or if they're in the middle of combat, then in that case, assessing the situation is totally perfect. Provoking someone is a move in which you get someone that is susceptible to your words to do something that you want them to do. Now, if the person's already willing to do it, then the move won't trigger. Furthermore, if the person is not susceptible to your words, then the move itself will not trigger because they don't care about what you have to say. 
There are different moves that you can get that augments provoke to where it's based off of action, in which that case it you could get that to work as well. But if they are not able to understand what you're saying, or if they're not susceptible to your words, then it's not really something that is quite effective, and in which that case the move won't be triggered. The last thing to cover here is taking a powerful blow. This is the one move you do not want to trigger. And unfortunately for you, this is a move that you yourself can't make actions to trigger the move. This is comes down to the narrative. If you're in a position in which you're about to get hit really hard by something, whether it be a mental attack, about to get hit by a bus, or a bomb blows up right in front of you, then in which that case, you're going to be taking a powerful blow. You want to roll really low on this, because if you roll too high, there's going to be a lot more consequences for you and potentially your allies, depending on how you roll. As a reminder, for all moves that you trigger, if you roll six or below, you'll get potential. Potential can be used to unlock advancements, which then can be used to unlock moves and unique features for your playbook. While it's obviously best to roll well with all your moves, rolling a miss here and there is not the end of the world. Of course, from a narrative standpoint, it could put major setbacks for you, but the key thing to remember is that part of the game is progress. You guys are young teenage superheroes, so you're not perfect. So that's totally normal to roll bad, which is why I always encourage all players, no matter what, even if your label is not good with a certain move, then you should still go for the move, especially if your character would have done it anyway. Always follow the narrative. Don't be worried so much about the labels. There is also the end of session moves PDF, and in there it covers very specific mechanics such as start of session, end of session, as well as team mechanics and combat mechanics. I'll go over some of them briefly, but it's pretty straightforward, and I think that it's something that you guys would be able to be able to read through very quickly. Though I will briefly cover influence. Influence is something that is used within the game to basically say that an adult or someone that you care about influences you. You look up to them, that you see them as someone that is very important to you. There are cases in which the character is not able to agree with the influencer. Because of this, there is a move called rejecting someone's influence. All adults automatically get influence over you, and sometimes other people can, but say if someone's trying to use their influence to shift your labels, and you don't agree with the shift, or if you don't agree with what they're saying, then you can roll to reject their influence. You roll a flat 2d6, and if you do well enough, you can clear a condition, you can shift a label, or you can cancel their influence. There's also an advancement that you can spend to permanently cancel someone's influence so they can never, ever influence you ever again. I highly recommend that you take a look at those peripheral moves. They're pretty straightforward, and if people ask about it, I'll cover it in a future episode. But I think it's pretty straightforward. Lastly, let's cover combat. Combat is one of those things where it's very loose. When you look at most other tabletop games, there's a clear rule set of how combat is. In fact, most games are going to see a whole chapter dedicated to combat. However, with Masks of New Generation, combat isn't super oriented towards very specific rules. It all comes down to the triggers as you do. The first thing to keep in mind with combat is that, depending on if you're in a team or not, you can trigger a very special move that gives you extra team. 
Under the Peripheral Moves tab, there is a thing called Entering Battle Against a Dangerous Foe as a team. If this happens, you automatically get two team added to your pool, and then you can get more depending on the questions asked. And it can be very beneficial for many rules that you make because it could be something that can make a difference between you making a partial hit or a full hit. The other thing to keep in mind with this is that it is strictly narrative. There are still some mechanical things that you have to overcome, but the game isn't as mechanically intricate as most other games such as Dungeons and Dragons. The most important thing is to make sure you pay attention to the narrative, make sure you're following the narrative, and make sure you listen to your GM. The GM will always set things up for your character in which you have to overcome certain challenges. I wouldn't expect every game and every match you get into to be a complete beat-em-up style kind of game. There's going to be cases where you might have to go and save some people. You might have to search around for this villain. The villain might not be willing to fight you directly. They might have a different method of fighting, and in which that case you're going to have to go through a different sets of triggers for different moves to win. Combat can last from anywhere between 5 to maybe even 10 minutes depending on how vigorous and how dangerous the situation may be. So it's very important once when you get into the action you're ready, you're ready and able to go. In regards to how moves are go and how people take turns, it's entirely up to the GM. But in general, how I like to do it is I like to give every player an opportunity to make an action. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean every action that they do triggers a move, but I always put it in a way in which they're able to at least do one thing. It's okay if you don't know what to do at a certain time, but it's very important that you take the time to understand what's happening and to make sure you're not going to be doing something that could undermine what the other players are trying to do. I cannot stress this enough. I've been in many positions where I've had another player not paying attention and they made a move that ended up hurting the team in the long run. So it's very important you still pay attention to the narrative. And even if you don't know what to do, you can always ask out a character. Once when, all, once when combat is all said and done, then there's an opportunity for your characters to potentially use your Triumph and Celebration move. Every character is always given a Triumph and Celebration move and also a Vulnerability move. Both of these moves can be used at any time when you feel it's appropriate and also whenever you trigger those specifically. I won't go over them in detail simply because every one has very unique ones. So it's important that if you pick a specific playbook that you read what happens in those triggers to make sure you are aware of what happens. As we get closer to the end of the session, you want to start thinking about what you're going to be doing for the end of session move. As I mentioned before, where you set the precedent for your first session, it's a good way for you to set team chemistry and good bondings with your team. It's really important to have good bonds with your team because it can provide large amounts of benefits. When you get to end of session, you have to use one of these three options. You can either grow closer to the team, you can grow into your own image of yourself, or you grow away from the team. When you grow closer to the team, you get to say who made you feel more welcome, who did you grow closer to, and if you do that, you give them influence, and you get a clear condition or mark potential. If you're giving influence to someone that already has potential over you, they get to shift your labels, in which that case one label is shifted up and one shifted down. For example, if I'm playing a character, let's say the bull, and I decided to grow closer to a Janus. 
Now that Janice already had influence over me, so they get to shift my labels. And they might, might say something like, I see your character becoming more human, a lot less aggressive. So I'm going to shift your mundane up, but I'm going to shift your danger down. And that's totally fine too. That's an example of something that, that, that of a shift that they can do. Next, we have growing into your own image. If you feel like you didn't necessarily grow closer to someone or didn't grow away from anyone, then you can grow into your own image. Describe how your character is growing. Because keep in mind, you guys are still teenagers, so you haven't fully defined yourself yet. So picking this move is totally appropriate too. You unfortunately don't get to clear a condition or mark potential, but you get to shift your own labels in the way you see fit. And it's important to always follow the narrative. If your character hasn't been aggressive in any way, it doesn't make sense to boost your danger up. So make sure you follow the narrative before making those decisions. Lastly, we have growing away from the team. If you feel detached from the team, say who you felt detached from. Or if it's overall the team, then you could say it's, that it's a team. This is very big though, because you have to take influence away from someone. You can't take influence away from someone that doesn't have influence, but when you take the influence away, it is a pretty big deal. Influence is very important because with influence, you are able to get a bonus added to your role if you're targeting someone you have influence over. Furthermore, if you designate someone to be a leader, one of the questions that is asked whenever you enter battle against a dangerous foe is if the leader has influence over every teammate. But if they don't have influence over everyone, you unfortunately don't get the bonus team. So it's very important to consider those options whenever you go into end a session. But at the end of the day, the narrative is the most important thing. It's a way for your characters to grow, and it's a way to create tension for the game. So above all else, even if it's not something you want to necessarily do out of character, think about how your character, in character, think about how they would want this to happen. Think about what they would want, think about how they would feel, and go from there. Once you make it through your first session, every other session will be a lot easier. I always find the first session to be the most difficult because that's when you're trying to establish who you are, what your character is, you're trying to establish the world, you're establishing team chemistry. And it all gradually begins to mesh over time. As you get more into the swing of it, you'll get used to it, and it'll be pretty straightforward. And It'll be something you'll get used to very easily. And with that, that is it. We have finished the first four episodes of masks of your generation guide i want to thank you guys so much for tuning in as i said before i'm going to be branching out into a couple of different games such as action movie world and worldwide wrestling i am going to do more episodes but these are going to be more catered towards gming as well as some catered more towards playbook guides as always be sure to check out some of my other episodes if you are confused by any part and be sure to give me an email or hit me up through Anchor if you have any questions or if you want to do any collaborations. Once again, this is Gregory Campbell from Gapping with Greg. Thank you for listening and stay chill.